love the Mountain Church. You guys are amazing. So much awesomeness exists in this house. And we've been doing a Reformers series, uh, and today will be our last uh, teaching on it. Uh, and last week, Tim Roland preached, and he did a really awesome job. Um, and just a reminder, if you guys ever missed any of the sermons, you can catch it on our YouTube, or you can catch it on uh, the podcast. Uh, and uh, the podcast, and it, all of the sermons are on there, right, buddy? Yeah. They're all on there. So uh, what I wanted to finish with today was the ultimate goal. Uh, it, that's the kind of what I've titled it, the ultimate goal. Uh, we'll be talking about fivefold ministry. We'll be talking about some of the competing elements uh, within us and within community over those uh, over that fivefold expression. Uh, and we've talked about it a considerable amount, but just as a reference, we will be reading out of it. Ephesians 4 talks about the fivefold. Uh, and so pretty excited today to kind of uh, button up the end of this Reformers series uh, so that we can really continue to pursue some of the things that we found in it. And uh, all the while we talk about reform, really it's a conversation about what God is doing to transform us personally and then transform us as a church or as a body. Uh, these are always the two things happening all at once, simultaneously. And really a family or a church family can't change if it's not individually changing as well. You guys understand that, right? We're all on the same page with that. The foundations of corporate or church family change is the personal pursuit of Jesus and holiness in our life. And uh, there's, uh, we've, I started this conversation and I talk a lot about kind of pulling down uh, this, this modern pastor's image uh, and, and sometimes the idolatry of the modern uh, church pastor. Uh, and uh, I talk about it a lot. And what uh, we kind of propose and reform is this five-fold dynamic. Um, and it's seen in Ephesians 4. Um, and as I begin to talk about this, I begin to teach about this a lot. Um, it's actually brought up a really great conversation in community, which is the conversation of, okay, cool, what does it look like? When you read Ephesians 4 and you see the five-fold ministry in effect, you're like, cool, what does that look like at the mountain? Uh, because I, in title, am called Pastor Samuel. Uh, no one actually calls me that for the most part, uh, unless they don't know that no one else calls me that, and then they do. Um, but I am called Pastor Samuel, but that isn't even necessarily accurate to my gifting or to what fold I represent. It's just what we call people that hold the microphone or hold leadership position in churches, right? You guys tracking with me this morning? So you've got a pastor and then you got associate pastors, you got executive pastors, you got all kinds of whatever title and then pastor that follows it. It's like having a period at the end of the sentence. You just got to attach pastor to it. I've heard of creative pastors. I've heard of all kinds of pastors. Um, and it's just really not accurate language, which is kind of funny, right? Uh, I played basketball and there's like different positions in basketball, right? Point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center, and then bench. You don't play those guys, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's not an actual position, but <laughs> there's these positions. And it's weird that in the church, we call everyone pastor in a place of leadership, even if they're not a pastor. It'd be like calling everybody on the basketball court point guard, even if they were the center. You just say, hey, you're a point guard. Why? Well, it's just because that's what we say. And it's just an odd thing. So 
when we bring up this conversation of, okay, what does it look like to actually have this five-fold dynamic in place? And let's read as a reminder what it says about this. Ephesians uh, 4.8 references what Jesus did. It says, therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And this men part there, it's actually, it's men and women. So it's not just males, it's men and women. That's great. So Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. Shepherds, what we typically call pastors uh, and teachers. For what purpose? Why? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. To what end? until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, uh, no longer be children tossed to and fro. Fro is such a great word. I recommend that we introduce that into our daily lingo, yeah? Fro. It's like the word of the week challenge. If you could say fro this week in a way that makes sense, you get a cookie or some kind of something. (laughs) What's up, fro? (laughs) Oh, fro. (laughs) To and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Uh, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Okay, so I read all of that for a purpose, and it's this simple purpose that we have this five-fold ministry that we are pursuing and this five-fold expression in this community And we may not see it in its fullness right now. And we may not see it ever in its fullness, fullness. But we will see growth and development of it take place. And when we ask the question, how? I really believe a really healthy thing to answer first is to what end? You know, why are we trying to incorporate a five-fold expression and not just a one-fold expression? Well, the reason we're trying to do this is because the five-fold expression is actually more accurate to the image of Jesus. So Jesus didn't just pastor people or shepherd people. He also was prophesying and a prophet to people. And you could study out the gifts and how they, they showed up or, or the roles and offices and how Jesus fulfilled all of them. And, it, and it's a long story short. Jesus is all of the folds. So why do we want to incorporate the full five-fold expression? It's because it's a more accurate expression in the image of Jesus. When you only have one gift or one office operating in a church, you have one-fifth of what is supposed to be the full image of Jesus. So when we ask to what end and we really truly understand what the ultimate goal is, it helps, uh, helps us understand how we accomplish a five-fold ministry. A five-fold ministry, uh, in neither one of the specific ministries or things is the actual goal. The goal is Jesus. The goal is Jesus and a more accurate expression of Jesus in the community. The goal isn't to prophesy. The goal isn't to shepherd. The goal isn't exclusively to do any one of these things or to teach or to evangelize. The goal is to be like Jesus. And these things 
are a part of who Jesus is. And why is it important for us to understand what this ultimate goal is? It's because if we make ourselves a community that its goal is to be a prophetic community, we have just made ourselves one-fifth effective. God has designed this thing so that the fullness of who Jesus was would show up in community. And it's really not easy to actually see the fivefold show up. Did you know this? A lot of the personality differences that you experience, does anybody have somebody in their life that their personality, it just takes a lot of work for them to love? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And if it's the person next to you, just let them know. <laughs> Tell them, you say, hey, you're my labor of love. <laughs> Donovan <and> Huggs' wife. <laughs> that was perfect timing. <laughs> Don't tell your wife or husband that. <laughs> You're my labor of love. And, and why does this exist? Why is it that personalities sometimes are so hard for us? Other personalities can be just like, what is, what is this guy's deal, man? And you can't quite put your thumb on what sin you don't like specifically. It's just kind of the way they breathe, the way they chew. <laughs> The way they walk, you ever have somebody sit next to you and they chew in a way, it's just like, hey man, why, why do you exist? <laughs> Obviously I'm being exaggerative, but the point is this, is look like you got the fivefold ministry. If you've ever studied personalities, I had my degree in psychology, then you'll know that there's personalities that just set other personalities and like, uh, they, they give you a thing up your spine or they just kind of jerk you the wrong way and you don't like it. It's hard for you to go along with them. Uh, by the way, my wife and I have taken the personality test, and we have two great personalities to be in marriage. I, and then also birth order. Uh, I am the youngest. I'm the baby of the family uh, in birth order, and my wife is the oldest. So she loves rules. I love being loved. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's just a great combination, uh, you know? And... Uh, the, the point I'm trying to make here is that in the folds of ministry, there will be inherent dislikes from one uh, aspect to another. For example, teachers in the prophetic, it's not always the most symbiotic, connected relationship. Uh, in maturity, all of these things are really great together. In maturity. But in a place of immaturity or a lack of understanding, knowledge, a lack of love, these things can become rivalries and they can become conflict and they can become great deep division and disagreement. See, the teacher really has this line by nine, precept by precept, structured concept. And a lot of times, if you've met a prophetic person in gifting, They've got blue hair. They've got feathers in it. They flow. And you know, when the Bible says, you know, the, well, the, wherever the Holy Spirit goes, he's like a wind and he's here and he's there. And that's what we're like when we just follow the Holy Spirit. And it's just like, yeah, we're there. And, and you got a prophetic person and they wake up in the morning and God tells them to go to a gas station. So they go to a gas station and they just wait there to find out what God wants to do. Are you guys tracking with me right now? And, and sometimes to a teacher, this doesn't make any sense. You know, and they have this concept of it, and it's like, well, that doesn't make sense. Where, like, show me that in the word, show me where that exists, and you can see it even denominationally. You can see like the the Bethels of the world and what they represent uh, next to like the Calvary of the world and what it represents, and even in our denominations, you could see the folds divided. You guys tracking with me? 
I didn't make this up. I'm just observing what takes place and saying, hey, it appears that our giftings, uh, if we see relationship through our lens of our gift, we are going to be divided. So what is the ultimate goal here? I said at the beginning, it's Jesus. It's not for the trumping up or the development of a specific gift in community. Look, like I, my goal is not for one of the folds that wasn't recognized and facilitated to be recognized and facilitated. That's not my goal. My goal is for Jesus to be accomplished in this community, which means, uh, hence therefore consequently, that each of the folds will be cultivated and invited to a place of the full expression God's designed in community. Okay, so let's jump into what is the ultimate goal of this thing. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 10 says it, I believe well, because there is an ultimate here that will guide us and that will give us a, a, a meaningful reason to connect. And it says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have a prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And it goes on to list what love is and describe it, which is love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. And it goes on to say many more things about love. But the point here is this, is look, the gifts being realized and developed in the community, that's not our ultimate goal. Can you prophesy? Can you evangelize? Can you teach? Can you comfort can you champion people and care? All of these different gifts, can you build well? All of these different gifts, they're helpful in community, but the ultimate goal is to love well. The ultimate goal is to love well. The gifts help us love well. Like my gift and what God has put in me as a gift of God, this is meant to actually be an aid and an asset to community. So whether it be my, my gift for communication, whether it be the gifts you find in the Bible that are in me, uh, like I like to, I like to kind of keep it kind of vague what gift I am in the fivefold because then you don't know, am I apostolic? Am I an evangelist? You'll probably already know I'm not that. But, you, but which one of the four am I? I? You know, I don't know. It's very cryptic and mysterious, you know? No, I'm, I'm probably the pastor, prophetic, apostolic, teacher, evangelist. no. <laughs> Oh, I named all five, yeah. When I was dating Jess, I remember I would always want, like, I would always want to be like this mystery to her, right? I think pretty much within a week she figured it out. But I liked the idea of thinking that I was like very mysterious, man, you know? Like, who am I? I don't know. You have to find, spend a lifetime finding out, you know? Yeah, man, it totally worked. <laughs> She's like, that's sweet. <laughs> And so you see this, this ultimate goal is love. So what is your gift? Do you know your, do you know your gift mix? Do you know which of the folds that, that you are a part of or that you're meant to champion? Do you, know, do you know who you are in terms of the biblical understanding of what gifts God has put inside of you? Do you know these things? Have you taken the test? Have you looked into them? I encourage you to look into them, not because it tells you everything you're going to be, but it helps you understand what, what skills and tools God has given you to help others. Look, our transformation is not defined by our gifts. 
If I am naturally pastoral, that does not mean that all I'm going to be in the fullness of who I am is pastoral. It means that I have a gift that's meant to be an asset to community, but it still means Romans 12, 2 is very much alive. I am not being transformed by my gift, and I'm not being transformed into just my gift. I am being transformed into the will and the shape and the essence of Jesus. This isn't simply about my gift having a way and being awesome and being seen and recognized. It's not about us making a way for all the different gifts and community. It's about all of us bringing our gifts for the benefit of the body to experience Jesus more holistically. You guys tracking with me this morning? Sweet, awesome. So our goal is not to defend and to make a way for our gift type This isn't X-Men and us mutants fighting against humans trying to get our, you know what I'm talking about? Any graphic novel folks in here? Cool, awesome. (laughs) This isn't about us trying to make a way for our specific gift mix. This tribalism happens often. Oftentimes, prophetic churches walk with themselves and they become a tribe of prophetic Oftentimes, teaching places become places of instruction, purely and dynamically, or places of pastoring become places of just comfort and care and and shepherding. The the goal here is that not only are we comforted, comforted, but we're also provoked unto good works. Not only are we also cared for, but we're also caring for others. And not only do we read the word and study it and know its precepts, but we also hear from the Holy Spirit actively and he speaks to us about our life and the life of others around us. Like many times I'm discouraged because the, the, the gift of the prophetic is so misunderstood in the church and it's because of all of the like flares of eccentric prophetic expressions in the nation. And a lot of times the prophetic becomes some kind of expression of trying to figure out who the next president is or some kind of big national prophetic word thing. And I'm like, man, that's disappointing to me because the biblical prophetic gift to community is one that was meant to edify, encourage, and exhort the body. So sometimes we make illegal the prophetic because of the abuses we see on a national level. And meanwhile, what we just made illegal was what was supposed to be the true and the pure intent of the prophetic, which was to edify and encourage the body. So sometimes we don't understand how to approach one another in prayer, which is really simple. And it's to hear from God for yourself and others. This is a prophetic act. This is what it looks like to hear from God, and it's meant to build us up. So you see this fivefold ministry and expression, and and if you guys ever heard the the gifting, the the, the analogy of the hands to describe the fivefold, you guys ever heard of this? So the apostle, a good way to think of an apostle is a master builder or a person that's a builder uh, a builder of organizations, builder of things, building of cooperatives and networks and such, builders of churches. Um, the person who started this church was probably, uh, not probably, but Robert Douglas, uh, who is probably apostolic in nature, but also very pastoral. And so you see that the apostolic, if you look at the hand and the way it's represented, the apostolic is the thumb because the thumb touches each of the other folds. So it's cooperative in nature. It's supposed to work as a foundational aspect. The Bible talks about how the apostle and the prophet are the foundation, meaning that they're supposed to work together in a foundational way with the many other folds. 
So the apostolic is meant to be able to cooperate with the many others. Are any of you in this place naturally good at working with many different types of people? You might be apostolic. You might be a thumb. (laughs) Not a finger. (laughs) Eight fingers and two thumbs. (laughs) The index finger uh, is the prophetic finger because it points. And it points to what God is saying, what God is doing. It's meant to be uh, informative of direction. It's meant to be informative of, oh, look, that's where God's moving us. Oh, look, into the desert, cloud by day, fire by night. Look, (laughs) isn't God awesome? Look, (laughs) it's the finger we use to point with. The middle finger is the evangelist. Because it reaches the furthest. Isn't that fun? Yep. Other people use the middle finger for different reasons. (laughs) But it is for uh, the purpose of illustrating in this context that it is the evangelist which reaches the furthest. It's meant to expand the kingdom. It's meant to go out. The ring finger is the pastor finger because it deals with covenant and it deals with intimacy. It deals with places that are very similar to marriage type things. Uh, and, uh, and it's very much that beautiful place. The pinky, I actually studied out the pinky today because the pinky is the teacher. The teacher, because the pinky, did you know this? That if you cut your pinky off, don't recommend it by the way, but if you did uh, then it, you actually, it, uh, 50% of your hand strength can be lost. Did you know that? Isn't that super interesting? Don't ask me how or why. I just read it and it's a fact. So that's pretty cool. But it also provides balance to the hand. So it's the teacher finger because the teacher provides balance and a rootedness to the body. It roots it in the word so we don't float off in some kind of weird mystical place of feelings only with no substance. Isn't that cool? There's a lot of different ways to symbolize and create an analogy for what this fivefold looks like. But a great way to describe it is the hand because the hand also can operate together and can function together. I climb and I'll tell you each finger matters in climbing. Every single different type of hold, everything you do, even the pinky can provide great help to do a specific problem or crux in climbing. So you see this place in the body was meant to work together. You see, this place of the body was not meant to have a superiority or an elitism of any one specific gift. So you should know that even if you really love your gift, your gift is not better than the other gifts. And there's not only the five full gifts or the five main gifts you might think of it as, but there's also other gifts that are described in Bible. And I know I'm doing a little teaching today. You guys cool to track with me today? All right, so Romans 12 lists a few gifts, and it's exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy, prophecy, service, and teaching. You can go back and study that on your own if you'd like. 1 Corinthians 12 lists some more gifts, administration, apostle, discernment, faith, healings, helps, knowledge, miracles, prophecy, teaching, tongues, tongues, interpretation, and wisdom. Ephesians 4 lists the five we just talked about. And miscellaneous passages all around uh, list out celibacy, the one no one actually wants when they're a young adult. (laughs) I took a test once to help me understand my gifts when I was younger, and you could see all the celibacy questions. You know when you can take a test, you know what it's trying to get at? So I just immediately was like, that's a celibacy question. I know how to answer that so I don't get the gift of celibacy. I just, that's what I do with other personality tests. I'm like, I know what personality I went by the, I want by the end. So I'll just choose the questions, right? You know, I cheat for sure. 
which is weird because it doesn't help you at all. <laughs> Hospitality, martyrdom, missionary, volunteer, poverty. Also one that not a lot of people like. <laughs> Celibacy and voluntary poverty, not big gifts that are desired in community. Not a lot of people coming up to the altar. Who wants to receive the gift of? <laughs> yeah. That's going to be the altar call at the end of today. Empty altar, come on. <laughs> so when you see these things, you see that there's a lot of things that God has called this community to be. But when you look at what actually shapes our modern churches, uh, we create things that are, we create nonprofits with the state or with the, with the federal government. Uh, and these things, they, 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 they determine or they, they require a certain degree of governance but pretty much all that it does in place is you need a board, you need a couple of things, but it doesn't really actually dictate or determine any degree of biblical coherence. You can create a church with the state and it can be completely anti-biblical. The state doesn't really care. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't provide any integrity there. It just wants to make sure that, da, 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 but it doesn't really require it to be biblical. But in our modern church expression, we don't really have a demand that our churches be fivefold. It's not very often that we walk into a church and go, hey, is this church fivefold? Is it open to fivefold? Does it want to be fivefold? Oftentimes it walks into the church and it measures out a couple of things. Do you know what they are? Statistically, it's proven that there's two things that are primarily judged or observed as to whether or not a person will go to that church. It's the music and it's the preaching. <laughs> So whether you like to think so or not, you walk into a place and, and everybody on the team that's worshiping for the first 20 or 30 minutes, you're like, do I like it? Do I not like it? What's their voice like? What's the song selection like? What that person was wearing during worship or the fact they had no shoes, that's weird. <laughs> they should put shoes on and uh, I'll come back maybe. Um, but the, all the long story short is we, we, we take a look at these things, we observe them, and we determine whether we will be a part of it or not based on those aspects primarily. The next thing on the list that we judge or we determine whether or not we'll be part of a community is whether or not our gift, our specific personal gift, is seen or showing up in community. So oftentimes, if my gift mix uh, is being seen the most and showing up in community, um, accidentally, uh, I will attract similar gift mix and mindsets. So whatever my gift mix may be, those people will find like, a, oh, look at that. Uh, and because of the, I'm seen the most in this way, there will be a, a really strong draw of my gift mix types if people think in this scope. Which goes to my point that we cannot choose our relationships and our communities and our small groups based on the scope and the frame of our personal gift mix. But we must champion an open-mindedness to the gifts around us and we must make room for other gift mix to be around us. Uh, so Tim Rowland, he's not here today. He's actually at home not feeling well. Um, and... Uh, but he, uh, he has a different gift mix than me. You know, when he was describing last week that when he goes into a grocery store, he goes down all of the same aisles in the same exact way every single time. How many of you guys are like that? You're pattern folk. I am quite the opposite. I will go to a different grocery store if it means that it's different, even if it's inconvenient and further. Even if I've never been there before, it's the adventure of the unknown. 
So I have Smith's Marketplace right by my house. I know it well, but since I know it now, I go to Albertsons on Hualapai in 215. And eventually that will get old and I'll have to go through different ways in Albertsons. I'll have to start on that side of the parking lot and then walk in and then not go right up and down each aisle, but then go to the other side and then go to the top side and meander around the technology section in a grocery store. It's weird. <laughs> but this is, this is my personality, you know? It's just like, it's different, you know? I've been to most of the coffee shops in the city because when I walk into this coffee shop, I love the people, I love all the different stuff, but I feel like I'm mad if I have to go there. Like I'm frustrated by the, the restraint of habit and pattern and I wanna break out of it. No one's making me go there, but I don't want to go there. And I teach a Bible study on Tuesday, I used to, but I'm taking a summer break to be with my family. And everyone was getting used to me sitting in the same seat and they were all sitting in their same seats. And I was just getting irritated with sitting in the same seat. So I sat in a different seat. It threw everyone off. It was hilarious. They had to like sit in a different seat. Did you know this about classes and students? Even if you don't do mandatory seating and assigned seating, by the end of the year, everyone will have assigned themselves a seat. Isn't that interesting? It's really weird. But I'm, the, I'm pretty much the opposite of Tim's gift mixes and personality type. There's a reason why I have said yes to his gift mixing community and said, how can I make room and abundant room for a person of, we, for sure as a leader, I gotta make sure there's character and integrity on a person. You can't just make room because it's a different gift. There has to be character and integrity on a person. The gifts are not the thing that give a place of trusted platform in this place. It's the character and the holiness of a person. So that's important foundation, but he has these things. So it's like, he's got a different gift mix than me. So I get excited about making room for him. And I get excited about finding people that are different me than me and making room for them. There's a reason why we're, you know, the, the homes, I love them so much. And we're doing a house of acts this summer. It's because, you know, in homes, there can be this really beautiful diversified approach like some people, they want to go to a home group that's a Bible study. That's expository. That's like, hey, we're roaming through Romans, baby. Let's do it, you know? And they go line by line, verse by verse, and somebody teaches them the root meanings of things, and somebody teaches them the biblical context of it. And they love this, and they eat it up. This is a teaching approach. And then there's others who love to go to a home group where you, you, you sit there and you go, okay, what is the Holy Spirit saying and doing right now? Everyone, close your eyes, let's pray. And then they begin to hear from God and they begin to talk to each other, encourage and edify each other. This is a prophetic home group. And, and, it, and the interesting thing is that the teaching home group types will be like, oh, gee, I don't know about that prophetic home group. That's just like, they never cracked open the word. They didn't, uh, they didn't teach line by line, precept by precept. I'm not really sure what to think about that. It wasn't really my cup of tea. And it's interesting because then the, 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 the folks that just spent two hours asking the Holy Spirit what he wanted to do and then prophesying over each other, look at the Bible study group and they're like, oh boy, I'm bored. I went to it and oh, yeah, yeah, they taught for like an hour. And it was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys know what I'm talking about? And it's so interesting for me, the pastor, which says, I see value in both things. Like, 
I see value in the written word and studying it line by line, precept by precept, which is a teaching angle. And I see value in partnering with the Holy Spirit and what he's doing in my life and the life of others around me. Tremendous value in both. Tremendous value in both. And if we can truly understand not to embrace the immaturity uh, as an expression in our community, like the reality is, is that each one of us should seek to exercise in balance and moderation these aspects. So we shouldn't just people that, that sit in a room, never study the Bible and just ask the Holy Spirit what he's saying in our life alone exclusively. We should sit in a room, ask the Holy Spirit what he's doing in our life, hear things from God and then confirm them in the word. Are you guys tracking with me right now? I'm using these two gift mixed right now and these two folds to talk about what it looks like for us to actually grow in a, in a unified way so that we're growing in all of the ways that Jesus has actually functioned. I mean, look at how Jesus worked. He hearkened back and he said, look, I'm the fulfillment of the law. And he referenced Old Testament scriptures and he would sit in the synagogues and he would teach in a way that made the Pharisees and Sadducees be like, wow, I've never seen anybody know the word like this. But he also said, hey, look, what I do, I do only what I see my father in heaven doing. So he, he literally spoke to heavenly revelation patterns and also biblical or text uh, confirmation and connection. Because when God moves through the Holy Spirit, he does not violate that which he has shown himself to be in the word. He fulfills it. Are you guys tracking with me today? Okay, awesome. So I have used these two aspects to really talk about the ingredients that I believe are incredibly important for us as a church, that as we have this call to reform who we are, that we don't only function as pastors caring for people, but we also function as evangelists with, with, with great love pursuing this city to share the gospel. Great love. Great, great love. And then we also partner with the apostolic, which builds, which builds things and builds things well. And we partner with the prophetic, which sees and hears from God and points to his will and what he's doing. We can take the fullness of what God has designed for these things to be in maturity and community and pursue those things. And the abuses of any of the gifts and any of the folds can be forgiven and can be released and all the bitterness that we have towards those specific things. Like some of us have seen pastors abuse the power and the role in the office of a pastor. Some of us have seen the prophetic office do the same thing. Some of us have seen any, of, any one of the five fold have an abuse that was hurtful. But because we have been hurt by people that had a gift from God and also had a lack of character does not mean that we should throw out a whole fold or gift mix. It means that we should pursue character and holiness in each of our expressions. At the forefront of all of these things is love. The ultimate goal of this thing is not for one of the gifts in this community to be accomplished, but for the fullness of Jesus to be accomplished. If you look at what our entire, the merits of our community are, love Jesus and love people. And I found ourselves getting pretty busy with a lot of things going on, like we're moving, you know, we talked about church plants, we've talked about uh, the growth and what it looks like and what we're going to do. We've talked about all these things and there's all these different ministries and love our city stuff's picking up. Man, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of ministry stuff that's like ramping up. And uh, in all of it, sometimes I feel like my brain is starting to melt. 
You know, there's like so many things that so many people want to do. And I just go back to this very simple heartbeat of who we are in community, which is love Jesus and love people. It provides the intimacy. It provides the connected places. It provides the purpose. And it also breaks up all of this striving stuff. Like, what are we going to create in our own strength and our own will? Not good things. What is Jesus going to create in our life? I don't know, but I'm really excited to see it. How are we going to do the fivefold? In some ways, I don't know. And in some ways, that's the point. I'm not emperor of the fivefold. I'm not lord of the fivefold. I'm one of the folds in this community. And I believe that's a beautiful thing. And I believe this community is beautiful. I believe that we have a great opportunity, as all churches do, to recognize a real humility in our gifts and champion our, 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 our group of people around us and champion the many giftings and folds in this community. You guys down for that? All right, can you stand with me?